helping him in his grotesque work that he claims is for science. Live the incredible life of ages yet to come in a time that might be a million years from now. Rocket from Manhattan. Hey there, today on Fear of Buildings, we'll be discussing the poem Noise by E.E. E. Cummings from 1918. This is Ketchup with Wiley and Zach for Fear of Buildings, the podcast about science fiction stories written before 1920 that include the destruction of New York City. Zach's our researcher here, and uh, we're just going to ask him some questions about this poem that uh, you may have heard already if you listened to our recent mini episode. Uh, so, Zach, tell us what is this poem about okay um according to uh the the introduction of the poem that i was uh reading in in the book it's about a false armistice that happened uh in 1918 before the real world war one armistice happened there was probably the the armistice uh uh it was probably the reports on November 7th of 1918 that uh, had it like created like a lot of like chaos and like celebrations before the November 11th. So just uh, five days, wait, four days before the real armistice. And E.E. E. Cummings was in New York when that happened? He, uh, there's not exactly enough information about exactly where he was. He was he was in the army for the second time, and he was stationed in Massachusetts, but he could have been on leave in New York. Or he could have just been reading a report about the the chaos, which happened in like all all over the country in New York. The poem takes place in New York, but it was happening everywhere. And so either, either he was on like a leave at that very moment, and went to, and visited New York, but he, which is where he liked to go to New York. He was from Massachusetts, but he uh, he was like a Greenwich Village like hangout like hipster, um, oh. and or you know it's just as possible that he just read uh, there were lots of newspaper articles about what had happened when the false armistice was announced, and. Um, so I was looking at some newspaper headlines and like uh, of of different papers around the country on November seventh, and and they're all it, the announcement came out in the afternoon, so they're all like evening editions. Um, there used to be newspapers used to have like a lot more editions and a lot more like extras and stuff because there wasn't. Um, this is even pre radio, so they were. I guess trying- that explains why. They would say extra, extra, which is like not a thing anymore. Yeah, they would be <laughs> they would be adding uh, just a page or whatever of of information. And that was the extra page, you know, uh, for right. for something that had just happened. So the the false report came from France just because of a miscommunication. They were having talks, and they had they had created a there was a ceasefire in just this like town so that the Germans and the French could talk. And then somebody said that to somebody else and a non-military guy 
went to the telegraph office and apparently all the censors at the telegraph office who would stop that they had heard in this local town that it was a it was peace so he sent it and then a half an hour later they sent the correction but the papers are so fast that they they could get out their things within like minutes wow like the re- the the front page of the paper and then like you know a few paragraphs would be new and the whole rest of the paper would be old news but okay. but the huge headline in like a foot tall letters and like you know three paragraphs would, that could be written and printed within like a few minutes and then out wow. and so a half hour retraction was like it, <laughs> it, it, and then the celebrations were like so insane that like you could you couldn't pull people back and anyway but um, and apparently like at least one person died in New York um, because of it. Uh, in a in a brawl, a drunken brawl, just people arguing whether there was peace or not. Oh no! Oh, no. Uh-huh. Okay, so now that we know what it's about, I want to hear it again. This time from Wiley. So okay. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> Noise. Thugs of clumsy mutter shove upward leaving fat feet prints, rumbles poke, buzzing thumbs, an eye of world. Stove-like motion rapidly scrambles, toots and scurry nibbling screams and sleek, whistles which sprint ribbons of white, shriek, clatters limp. From spelt blubbering tubes, big dins fuzzily lumber, rubbing their eyes. Thin, buried chimney lips wallow gushing cubes, of unhasty delirium, chunks of indolence waddle slowly. Bangs punch, explosion after, explosion, from black lips sail chrome, cries extra, extra, what is it, no, yes, no, yay, extra, whee, oh, hear it, what's no, yes, extra, extra, who, said, yay, what, yay, yes, peace, Joy's right boot squashes discipline fragilities by slobber of patient timidities undermine skyscrapers. Crash it explodes in a plastic meow with uncouth snarl of sculptural fur through which claws neatly leap Wall Street wriggles choked with gesturing human swill squirms gagged with a sprouting filth of faces extra peace. Millions like crabs about a prosperous penis of bigness, the Woolworth building, slowly waving. Factories, stores, houses, bursts, rack, people, through door windowsills, tears, a vomit of supernatural buttons. Peace. Biffing sky battles, huge city which escapes, niftily through slit of sunset, Broadway, dumb signs ripe. Pustules of unhealth, squeezed, spatter, poppings of mad color reveal, canyons of superb nonsense, vistas of neatness bunged with wagging, humanity poised in the bathing, instant, a reek of electric daintiness, peace, all night from time to time, the city's accurate, Face peaks from smothering blanket of occult pandemonium. Peace all night. 
into dawn dingy dimness of almost streets capers a trickle of mucus shapes equal girls men thanks wife thanks yeah. It's like a tongue twister. Some it is a super tongue <laughs> that twister. That is amazing that you just did Shoot. that, actually. <laughs> Good Yikes. job. Uh, the one I recorded was definitely uh, not done all in one piece as it was. So, uh, I probably respect. misrepresented uh, a handful of his very purposeful Crazy. I mean, so, I kind of feel like you created this. It's very difficult to. There's no way to correctly read E coming out loud. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure someone that might disagree with me, but I think you did a good effort. You just have to kind of Danke. respect his punctuation and line spacing and capitals. Sure, yes, sure, capitals. I will. I think now. <laughs> I think you have here. Alive. <laughs> Neatly. Um, anyway. He, uh, yes, now that makes a lot more sense because we had read the poem before, but now that sounds like it's directly talking about the guy dying in New York. Yeah, uh, kind of. Or I, like, it, like it some of that. Just, it just sounds like, like people having an argument and... Uh, just yes, like the no, yes, crowd, no. the crowds like, like, like hurting each other and also the, you know, the explosions mm-hmm. are like uh, the fireworks people are setting off mm-hmm. and... Um, I think, yeah, just a dangerous, uh, crazy, uh, angry situation. It's a, it, a dangerous it's a very, atmosphere of peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very, like, snobby poem. Uh, <laughs> like, he was a snob. Uh-huh, and yeah, yes. uh, he, his, I, I mean, I'll just add some, like, biographical things. Please. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, his dad taught at Harvard, and he grew up in Cambridge. And uh. then... And then his dad became a famous or important uh, Unitarian minister. Like he joined the ministry after having been a Harvard professor. And their friends were all like the big like philosophers and teachers and people of the day who were also mm-hmm. at Harvard. So then Cummings went to Harvard and he got a, uh, <laughs> he got a BA and then an MA in mm-hmm. English and Greek. Uh, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And he was also a painter. Uh, and he was, I always pictured him as like, you know, like an urchin who just hated punctuation. <laughs> he well, so he at Harvard, he was like reading and exposed to like the most like advanced kind of like poetry and and stuff, probably like Gertrude Stein, people like that. And uh, well, and they say with like painters, a lot of them, you know, you have to learn the classics before and like understand the, yeah. the fundamentals of art before you can take all your risks and have yeah. it do anything whether people agree with that or not like that's a concept yeah so i suppose it would make this sense if he's studying greeks and english literature at its fundamentals and then he can break it yeah yeah open yeah i mean and it does come across as being very sincere so he's done very well Mm -hmm. and he he referred to like poems like this as cubistic cubistic sound poems Hmm. and he was he was equally interested in painting as he was uh uh writing he oh, was yeah. he was painting a lot oh. um i don't know if like sense. when he was old if he was as into painting but when he was young he was and so he was like he was studying avant-garde literature and avant-garde um uh art and so this poem is like that kind of thing and when he was in this is after he got back from france and when he was in France, he did have time to go like on leave to Paris and like hang out. Um, and cubism was like 
10 years old by this point, but, um, you know, he was, he was hanging out in, uh, at avant-garde places. I guess I don't know enough about cubism to see the connection, or maybe it's just hard to see when you cross media, but maybe you could tell me a little about that. I don't know if it makes sense, uh, but to call it cubistic, but he's like, um, you're taking um, something and instead of trying to portray it as it looks straight on, you're just taking lots of different angles and putting them together um, and creating a new, creating a new form. That's like almost like you could look at it all around, um, but you're working in two dimensions and how that translates to a poem. I don't know, but it's, it's his version instead of making something that is easily makes sense. He's, I guess he's taking a view from a view from here, a view from here, a view from here, and mm-hmm. kind of putting them together and making something that doesn't traditionally make sense. That, that's my best way of, but hopefully I guess the, the thought would be hopefully is even more uh, accurate in the giving the feeling than if he tried to do it straightforward, mm-hmm. which would be the point of a cubistic painting, is you're trying to even give it more accuracy of how the thing feels. <laughs> a sense impression. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it does that. I mean, I think it's really fun that there is a sense impression like this for that strange little historical blip. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that occurred. And then I guess I should say something about his experience in World War One. Oh, yes. yeah, please do. Um, because the poem is very, uh, it's negative and sarcastic and cynic- <laughs> cynical and bitter, I think. And he he enlisted in the army. He wasn't drafted. People were being drafted, but he volunteered uh, to be in the ambulance corps. Um with another friend of his, I guess he signed up the same day, uh, a, a writer named John Dos Passos, who was like famous, like more like 50 years ago. And I don't think people read his books anymore. He's a novelist um, and a painter. Uh, and he, they signed up and they went to the, be in the ambulance corps and he served uh, for five months. And then he was friends with this guy named William Brown and they had been writing letters home uh, that were like, this war is stupid. It's a waste of lives. Uh, they want us to hate the Germans, but what's wrong with the Germans? They're just like people too. And those letters were just being collected by the censors and not being sent. Um, <laughs> and some of them, they signed jointly for some reason. Um, and then after sending a bunch of letters... Uh, <laughs> like, e. Cummings and his friend. Yeah. Okay. Uh, William Brown. And then uh, um, they, they signed, uh, they, they wrote asking if they could be trained as aviators, but they added a thing that said, but we don't want to ger- bomb Germans. Um, and also... <laughs> have fun in the plane. Yeah. Uh, we want to write sky well, art. Fair. I would also choose that, but... Well, there's lots of other jobs. There's delivering mail that. and there's... there's uh, <laughs> There's taking taking Other photographs. Jobs that also, don't involve yes. bombing Germans. <laughs> um, there's lots of things you can do in the plane. Yeah. Sure. 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 And uh, 
so they sent this request and they added that and also and they've been also fighting with their unit chief uh who was like uh they were just from what i was reading they were just acting like the that they weren't like they weren't in the army that they were like just like better than everybody else like snobby overeducated in paris yeah and just like and just uh running their mouths and 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 being like this war sucks this is everybody's stupid this is stupid and <laughs> anyway so it sounds like my kind of guys they 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 took that letter of their request for to be trained as aviators but not to bomb germans that was just kind of combined with all the other letters and they said arrest them and they <gasps> they uh they i i don't know exactly what the charges were but they were it was something along the lines of treason and uh, oh my god uh they put them in this big this old church uh like one big room where with all these other people who had been accused of espionage or treason of different kinds and they they stayed there for uh four months and but um uh but cummings's dad was very important and he got the news and then he was like he had the secretary of state of the U S and the French ambassador like working. Otherwise he would have like, who knows, but, but his dad was like, um, an important dude. And what happened to his friend? The friend was released like around the same time they were, he, they were, uh, eventually like transferred to different, the friend was Mm -hmm. transferred to a different place, but he was, he was also released. Um, and then, uh, what was kind of, uh, funny was uh, they had secured his release and uh, then they got the dad got a telegram from not the secretary of state but a big uh, U.S. official and it said oh so sorry your son was being transported back to the U.S. and the boat was like sh- sunk and he's dead and, <laughs> and then um, and then that was like corrected uh like four days later and cummings hadn't left france yet he had been like um his release had been put through but someone on this uh, this boat had been sunk the antilles and it was going back to new york but uh someone on the boat was named hh cummings no way (laughs) yeah so oh my god so he had like the inverse of the false peace happened to him false dead son he had yeah. it twice in a row in a very short period of time. Yeah. A false uh, music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then he came back. Um, and I don't know how long he was back. He came back in January, and then he was enlist. He was drafted this time. He, he volunteered the first time, and then he was drafted in, in August. They weren't done with him by yeah. then? They weren't just tired of his no, shit? No, they drafted by the summer or like late in they had drafted like everybody they were just going to draft any especially if you were in your 20s sure um no they didn't because like they were like well you're not guilty of treason you're a perfectly fine person to draft and you've already been through the (laughs) yeah through the basics yeah they wanted him back yeah well well uh yeah uh they wanted uh he hadn't (laughs) done anything wrong so they they wanted like everybody it was a very big draft yeah wow yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't send him back. They, they, he just stayed in a camp um, in Massachusetts. Oh, 
Uh, poor H.H. H. Cummings. Oh, he died on the boat. He thought he was... Poor. He wasn't He wasn't the only one who died well, on that boat. he's the only one whose name I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the um the Germans uh they were they were sinking like tons of ships with like submarines. Uh the water it was like very dangerous to like go in boats. And boats was the only choice. <laughs> so he wrote this poem between the two military bouts. Um or after the I think if I think it's probably based on a news report. I don't think that he was probably in Massachusetts and he read the reports of of the New York false armistice and wrote it. And that would mean he wrote it in his second um, while he was in his uh, drafted. Now, you said that you found the whole poem really cynical. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't totally get that from it so i was curious like what what gave you that impression i think the um sort of like the key thing because he's repeating it is the is when he says like peace peace like sometimes in all capital letters and the and the key like uh joke or message of the poem is like the irony of that Peace is total chaos, or peace creates. Uh, and at the near the end of the poem, it says "peace all night!" exclamation point, which means violent, crazy crowds, you know, screaming and attacking each other and fireworks all night. Peace. So it's like <laughs> that's like yeah. So he's like, I and I think basically it's like that he's like, oh, these dirty, like stupid people, like. Like fooled by the reports, like, like all like acting like idiots and like, um, just making a making a cynical um, comment on human nature and 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 that the peace pieces I don't know connect making this connection between peace and war and like the lowliness of like human reactions or something. Huh. That's what I, where I see the cynical, mm-hmm. and he's describing. He's describing the crowds of people as like crabs and as mucus. Mm-hmm. And um, when he says pustules, I'm not sure if he's talking about people, but you know, um, uh, it, it's just a uh, yeah. That's that was my impression. Yeah, no, I mean, when you say all that, it makes sense. And then yeah. Oh, I just wrote down a couple headlines from. Oh, I, well, I don't know if I explained like. So on November 7th, like a lot of the papers, I was like kind of looking through all of these different papers of all, all over the country. Mm-hmm. And like some of them are like um, uh, peace news unconfirmed. Uh, and then other one, there was another one that was like war is over. Huns signed armistice on field of battle. And then um, another one was like letters like taking up the entire, you know, above the fold like you know a real mm-hmm. like half foot that says like huns quit but it but the papers were like all over the map they had like huns so, are germans yeah it was the yeah huns is the was the insult word for germans oh. it's like a rude word um and so they were like some of them had waited some of them didn't think that it was real 
um, I think a lot of them waited and for the retract and and heard the retraction, but were still completely confused. Mm-hmm. Like weren't sure if the you know maybe you get a retraction after half an hour, but then maybe another half an hour later you'd be getting another one. So they were like they didn't know what to say. But it, but a lot of them like it looks like a, like tons of them just went with it and were like war is over. And then the next day there were some headlines. Um, there was one that said. In he all all these are in gargantuan letters. Um, it, it's like, is the war still on? That was like that was the next day after the false army. And then another one was, um, people cruelly hoaxed by most brazen news fraud. Uh, war is not ended. So that was. I just wanted to read those. So those were the headlines in newspapers just four days before the war was ended. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, it was four days. I thought it was four months. No, no, no. It was, oh, it was wow. November seventh, and then it really ended uh, November eleventh, which is and it was at eleven a.m. It was eleven a.m. on the eleventh oh, of right. the eleventh month. That's right. And uh, were were there just as many riots when it ended for real, or had people learned their lesson a little? No, it was the same sort of like riot <laughs> and like chaos <laughs> and like celebration. So um, what else do we want to say about the poem? I, you, you sent us this poem, and so obviously New York isn't completely destroyed, uh, but, uh, but what kind of common threads did you feel like it held with science fiction in the period? Um, well, the poem is, I wouldn't say that New York isn't completely destroyed in the poem. The, the poem is, uh, I, I think it doesn't exist as not, it's not a non-fiction. It doesn't exist as non-fiction in my mind. Sure. It's like, uh, it's its own thing describing in surreal terms something happening. I, and we're, we've been discussing what it's based on, but that doesn't mean that the poem should be like thought of as like, weirdly worded reportage or something (laughs) so i you know maybe new york is destroyed in the poem but uh i don't know i feel you i'm there were just like lines like about undermined skyscrapers like when you when you undermine a building that means like you've taken the foundations out and it's going to collapse um like that's how people used to get into walls when they were attacking a walled city they would they would it's called You'd mine it, or you would undermine it. You dig out the dirt, mm. and then the wall collapses. Um, wow! And then, like he talks about the Woolworth Building waving like a penis, and obviously that's not stable, you know. Um, so it's like I see that uh, the same kind of things that are in the stories of it. He, it, it sounds like everything is completely unstable and about to like mm-hmm. be destroyed. the The ending, yeah, I, totally. the ending is confusing to me. I'm not. Sh- I, the last line is like is as odd, I, and I feel like that that must have the last line should be like the most important line. But and I don't know where he's what he's trying to say when he ends up there. <laughs> okay, so let's recap real quick. The last couple lines uh-huh. are. Peace all night into dawn dingy dimness of almost streets, capers, a trickle of mucus, shapes equals girls, men. Oh, I guess it's just like 
well, everything coming into one, just like I don't know, or is or is he just saying like dawn comes and girls and men are like walking home or something like that? That's what That's I what see. I picture. Yeah, and as they and Makes as they sense. go away, they all become kind of one mucusy like dim shape in the uh, distance. What does it say? Girls Shapes become equals girls men. Streets, capers, a yeah. trickle of mucus, shapes equals girls men. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> shapes. I guess I mean it sounds like he's saying he sees shapes which are mm-hmm. girls. Yeah. Men. I mean I maybe it's nothing profound. Ugh, all these cretins. I guess some of them are men and some of them are girls. All these yeah. shapes are equal. Now they're going home. Um, the other thing that he was doing about the time of the poem was um, Elaine Orr. Um, that was to become his wife, but he was doing her at that time. And she was the wife of one of his... <laughs> Wait, what, what, what? <laughs> Is that really what you're sorry, saying? What? What she are you was talking the, about what's Elaine? Elaine, <laughs> Elaine Orr. He was dating Elaine Orr. Where is I don't see Elaine Orr. In no, this it, it's a name. He's, he's of, just, Orr is a last name. O R R. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go back. Um, he was sleeping with Elaine Orr, who, who was the wife of <laughs> the wife of his friend from uh, college. Uh, and they okay. they had just been married for like three years, and um, he was having an uh, an affair with her, mm-hmm. and uh, and then she in nineteen nineteen she had his kid, and uh, uh, she must have got divorced from the other guy pretty soon after that. Okay, but um, who was the other guy? Just a the other guy was a really interesting but completely forgotten writer. Uh, editor named Schofield Thayer, which is like a really ridiculous <laughs> turn-of-the-century editor name. I went to Harvard, New England name, Schofield Thayer. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it could be the name of a college in New England. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> um, and he went to Harvard and he was the editor of some really important avant-garde magazines and I think a writer too. Uh, uh, he he edited the Dial, which is like incredibly important avant garde magazine. What did Elaine Orr do? She was she was a uh, wife and um, sleeper. <laughs> sleeper. Sleeper of men. Sleeper of men. <laughs> Further, babe. She was of Cummings. <laughs> uh-huh. That's funny. Elaine <laughs> 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 Orr of the Cummings Orr. <laughs> so she wasn't a, an artist, an avant garde writer, any of this stuff. She probably was, but um, <laughs> you know that she didn't. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see anything of uh, what she published or. She didn't make uh, a she wasn't, splash. She wasn't well known. <laughs> well, she made a splash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um, 
All right. Well, I mean, I think we've kind of covered all my questions. Is okay. there anything else that you uh, want to add about this very interesting poem? Um, um, I don't think Any so. Any parts of the poem? I liked when he said plastic meow. I just oh, yeah. Say that. The whole thing about the... Yeah, let's talk about that cat metaphor, actually. Oh, yeah. I like the cat part, and I'm confused by it honestly uh and i but but i do want to say i do want to add for for understanding it um plastic was not a uh thing like that we right. understand it at the time there was they didn't have plastic material it was like plastic as an adjective for things that are somewhat malleable right yes uh people would re- refer to like it was an art term. People would refer to like sculpture as the plastic art. So hmm. um, it meant it meant something. Uh, yeah, exactly. Changeable, malleable. Uh, a, a sculpture, also. Gotcha. Um, so, what do you think about the cat part? Well, I just want to. So he's talking about the patient timidities of undermined skyscrapers then he says crash it explodes in a plastic meow with uncouth snarl of sculptural fur through which claws neatly leap it's the firework oh yeah could be it's interesting to think of this poem now um I guess I was sort of forcing it in my mind to be, uh, like you said, nonfiction. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when when we look at it like this and you're saying undermine skyscrapers crash, it explodes, uh, you know, with plastic meow, sculptural fur. Like, you know, this could be yeah. this could be a whole building exploding being sure being tnt'd or something yeah we know what when you just said it then it kind of made me think like like maybe the cat like or a like a like a lion sculpture on the building like the building's collapsing and then the Mm. and and then like the sculpture of the lion jumps off to like save itself Ah. (laughs) is like jumping out of the way of the collapsing building i don't know that just occurred Uh, to me when you were saying that I think Zach should read a part. Oh, yeah, Zach. Read a, read a part that you like. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to click some buttons. <laughs> All right, fine. Click. Um. I like also the, what did he say? Like cubes of uh-huh. smoke or something? Cubes, yeah. Uh, that's near the beginning, right? Yes, Thin, very chimney lips wallow gushing cubes of unhasty delirium. It's a fun one. Hmm. I kind of picture somebody smoking weed, but somehow in cubes. <laughs> cubes of un... I think... I bet he's just using the word cube to make people think of cubism. <laughs> and, and to make people think, oh, this is a cubist poem. Sure. like Because he's using the word cube. <laughs> Like what is a what is a gushing cube? Chimney. Chimney. Wiley's right. A chimney is a gushing cube. Oh yeah. You know, I was picturing a round chimney, but chimneys are square a lot of, of times. Of course. Sometimes. Yeah. No, I think they're mostly squares. Yeah. Well, I was picturing a city 
chimney that a lot of times they're not square bricks, they're metal pipes. Um, oh, but, sure. But yeah, yeah. No, uh, but a lot more of them would have been regular old ones 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'll read a part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, peace, joys, right boot, squashes, disciplined fragilities by slobber of patient timidities, undermined skyscrapers. <laughs> yeah, I love that part. Yeah. Peace, joys, right boot. <laughs> joys, right boot, squashes, disciplined fragilities. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. It's like it's it's like an irony of of like violent peace and like violent joy. Like people are just so overwhelmed with their joy that they can't uh, keep bottled themselves. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. People, i.e., human swill, mm-hmm. <laughs> mucus of earth, non-Harvard types. Yeah, who, by the way, don't even understand this poem, and probably, and probably think it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they're or, off bickering about the news instead of concerning themselves with higher yeah. thoughts. Actually, the only person who could understand this poem is my friend Schofield Thayer. <laughs> <laughs> he told me it was wonderful. I also like this bit as far as um, uh, discussing kind of New York in past episodes, discussing New York as, you know, being a business center always, you know, not not being built as a business center. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, this part about Wall Street, which I think also brings to mind like kind of movie images of not just of people celebrating the night, but kind of that Wall Street, all the guys with their hands in the air and there's all these people packed close. Um, leap, Wall Street, wriggles, choked with gesturing, human swill squirms, gagged with the sprouting filth of faces, extra, Peace, millions like crabs about a prosperous penis of bigness, the Woolworth building slowly waving. Yeah, prosperous penis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which ties into the Wall Street as well. Like, I think it's kind of going both ways in this section of of all the people celebrating, but I can also picture the kind of already large amounts of people and their whatever gesturing, wriggles choked with gesturing. Oh, yeah. Well, like... um the stock exchange was already like 70 years old by this point. Exactly. I mean, that, that, that sort of like crowd of, of gesturing wall street stockbrokers screaming and pushing and, you know, that was like already mm-hmm. like a, a cliche, mm-hmm. like an old hmm. cliche. Wow. And they're going so hard. I mean, I could get from this, that they're going so hard at that, that that's also what's making the buildings wave. Uh-huh. That sure. they're having a huge effect yeah. on the, the crumbling. Um, William Brown, he was okay. Oh, oh William. good. He Sorry. died. He died in 1997. Wonderful. What? Yeah, he was. Whoa! Wait, what was he like? 120? He was 101. 1997. Yeah. Oh, right. 100 years ago now. He, he was, was born in 1896. <laughs> So he graduated yes. Harvard around 1915. And, yeah. Um, wow. Uh, he, it says, I, I can't click on this. There's like one thing about him. <laughs> um, and, it, and I can't click on it. When I click on it, it goes to a thing that says, you've won a something something. 
but I, but I see I see this one sentence that says it's it has the same middle name, so that's how I know it's the same guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was an American novelist, biographer, and translator of French literature. Hmm. Great. All right. Well, he did okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he was not hung for treason. He no. wasn't, or if he. He was, it didn't take, like, it didn't choke him. <laughs> it didn't work. Uh, and he might have even learned you're... French in that church. Yeah. He probably did. Okay. Uh, great. Well, yeah, is there anything else? No. I don't, okay. um, uh, that's it. Okay, that covers sweet. it. Cool. Very interesting. I had no idea about any of that with E. Cummings at all. Good. Strange, uh, strange, <laughs> strange tale. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a strange tale. I like the two, uh, yeah, those two false news report things. It's funny. Yeah. It's very funny. Well, Bizarre. I really wouldn't have, I I definitely have a richer understanding now of this poem. <laughs> yes. Uh, certainly. Uh, so I'm glad, glad we talked it out. I it, it is really clear once you point out that he's calling people mucus and <laughs> swill and crabs. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I kind of, I guess that I was just so swept up in the joy and the peace and the explosions (laughs) and it, you know, it kind of sounded, it sounded fun to me what he was describing. So I was kind of ignoring his, uh, slant there (laughs) on it really. It's very, yeah, no, I, uh, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's a fun, exciting poem, but it's, Mm -hmm. um, uh, very, yeah, very dark and bitter. Now that we've come to have a better understanding of the poem, we thought we'd record a fresh version, taking into account the perspective we'd gained from Zach. So here's Wiley again with Noise by E.E. Cummings. Thugs of clumsy mutter shove upward, leaving fat feet prints. Rumbles poke buzzing thumbs in eye of world. Stove-like motion rapidly scrambles toots and scurry nibbling screams and sleek whistles which sprint ribbons of white shriek clatters limp. From spelt blubbering tubes big dins fuzzily lumber rubbing their eyes. Thin, very chimney lips wallow gushing cubes of unhasty delirium. Chunks of indolence waddle slowly. Bangs, punch, explosion after explosion. From black lips sail chrome cries, extra, extra, what is it? No? Yes! No? Yay! Extra, wee! Oh, hear it. What? No? Yes? Extra, extra. Who said what? Yay? What? Yay? Yes? Peace. Joy's right boot squashes disciplined fragilities by slobber of patient timidities, undermined skyscrapers. Crash! It explodes in a plastic meow with uncouth snarl of sculptural fur through which claws neatly leap. Wall Street wriggles, choked with gesturing human swill, squirms, gagged with a sprouting filth of faces. Extra peace. Millions like crabs about a prosperous penis of bigness. The Woolworth building, slowly waving. Factories, stores, houses, 
burst crack people through doors, windows, tears a vomit of supernatural buttons. Peace. Biffing sky battles huge city which escapes niftily through slit of sunset. Broadway, dumb signs, right pustules of unhealth, squeezed, spatter, poppings of mad, color reveal, canyons of superb nonsense, vistas of neatness bunged with wagging, humanity poised in the bathing, <gasps> instant, a reek of electric daintiness, peace. All night, from time to time, the city's accurate face peaks from smothering blanket of occult pandemonium. Peace all night! Into dawn, dingy dimness of almost streets. Capers, a trickle of mucus. Shapes equals girls, men. Thanks for listening to Fear of Buildings. I'm your host and sound designer, Ketchup Freeland. Our voice talent and co-host is Wiley Vreeland, and our creator and researcher is Zach Vreeland. Our theme music is the song For Science by Naroche. If you like this podcast, please subscribe so you know when our next episode is released. Until next time. <laughs>